This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the MomWell Podcast. Today, I am excited to welcome Dr. Whitney Cazares, founder of Modern Mommy, to the show. Dr. Whitney is a Stanford University-trained pediatrician who also coaches overwhelmed career-focused moms on how to juggle work and life without shame and guilt. Her new book is called Doing It All, Stop Overfunctioning and Become the Mom and Person You're Meant to Be. Dr. Whitney previously joined me on episode 147 to discuss how to survive the dreaded witching hour and cope with colic and fussiness. When I heard Dr. Whitney's story, it reminded me a lot of my own. We're both career women with plenty of experience working with children. We both assumed that experience would help us thrive in motherhood. And just like so many other moms, we found ourselves struggling with the weight of the invisible load. Dr. Whitney's book, Doing It All, dives into why we feel like we have to carry it all as moms and how we can learn to prioritize and let go of some of that labor. Today, Dr. Whitney and I are discussing the self-work that allows us to start to break out of the default labor in the home. We talk about the value of understanding our own worth and acknowledging our needs. We unpack how to start prioritizing the load and discuss the importance of setting boundaries and offering ourselves forgiveness, grace, and self-compassion. But before jumping into this week's episode, let's hear our iTunes review of the week. This review comes from Rachel Bauer, and it's titled Required Listening for Working Moms. I run a business that specializes in training and consulting for workplace gender equality. Much of that has to do with interpreting maternal bias at work and helping workplaces understand how to best support working moms at all stages. Finding MomWall has given me so many tools to help clients understand the experience of mothers from every angle. As a mom myself, there have been countless aha moments and actionable takeaways for me listening to this show. Do not hesitate. Listen now. Thank you so much for this review. I love that this podcast has provided you with the tools to help your clients and benefit working moms. I am passionate about and advocate for supporting working moms and tackling maternal bias in the workplace, and I'm proud that my work is having an influence in that area. I appreciate you taking the time to leave this feedback and for reaching out. For anyone out there listening who has something to share about how the podcast has helped you or what you would like to hear more of in the future, please take a moment to leave a review. These really help me to understand what you need and who to bring onto the podcast. All right, now let's hear my conversation with pediatrician Dr. Whitney Cazares, founder of Modern Mommy Doc. The postpartum period is a major transition in your life. Overnight, you went from being able to care for yourself to having a little baby rely on you for every need. Sleep deprivation, crying, uncertainty in your parenting choices, these can all take a toll on your mental health. While baby blues are normal and will resolve on their own in a few weeks, many moms suffer from more. If you find yourself irritable, depressed, anxious, experiencing loss of interest in the things you used to enjoy, or simply feeling unlike yourself, you could be experiencing postpartum depression or anxiety. It might be time to seek help. Our qualified maternal mental health specialists are here to support moms across Canada and the United States. You shouldn't have to cope alone. Our mom counselors and postpartum therapists are ready to support you. Find out if we serve your area and book a free 15-minute virtual consultation at momwell.com booking. That's momwell.com booking. Oh. 
Welcome to the MomWell podcast, where we're committed to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host, registered psychotherapist and founder of MomWell, Erica Jossa. At MomWell, we know that motherhood is hard, but care shouldn't be. We're committed to providing you with knowledge, tools, and support to navigate the challenges of motherhood. Our mission is to put moms back on the priority list and empower them to create a mental wellness toolbox free from judgment, fear, and shame. On the show, we'll be discussing topics such as postpartum depression, identity loss, the mental load of motherhood, and more. We'll be joined by experts, moms, and professionals who can offer advice, practical tips, relatable stories, and honest conversations. Here at MomWall, we believe that when a mom is well, a baby is well. So join us as we discuss the topics that matter to you with experts who get it. Together, we can redefine motherhood and change the way moms are treated. Dr. Whitney, thank you so much for coming back and joining us on the show. I loved our first chat, so I'm so excited to be here with you again today. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. And I really enjoyed our conversation too. So it's going to be nice to just jump right in from where we were before. Last time you were here, you were launching your app. You've got your community on Instagram. You are just like a powerhouse. You got a lot going on. Now you're publishing and releasing a book sort of in another launch time. But how have things been since launching the app? How are things going on the platform, the podcast? Just curious to catch up with you. How are things? Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, you know, last time when I was putting out the app, it was right in the middle of kind of that pandemic time. People were really struggling. And I have just noticed the aftermath so much for moms. Hmm. And especially for moms who are in caregiving professions as well, like mine. So yeah. for your listeners who didn't catch us last time, I'm a pediatrician. And I just have found that those who are in healthcare are like struggling because they worked right. so hard during the pandemic. In our school district, our teachers are striking because I think they worked so hard during the pandemic and they just can't handle all the extra stress now. And our kids really are having to like climb their way out of a little ditch, you know, Mm. that they got themselves in during the pandemic emotionally. And I think in terms of their learning and all that. So what I am finding on the platform and in my work is just that moms have this like righteous self-compassion that's happening. Mm. I feel like it's a little different than it was pre-pandemic where people are saying like, enough, I literally cannot do all of this. Mm. I need something else. I need something different. Like maybe it was like under the water, like an iceberg, you know, and just a little tip was showing before the pandemic. And when I was launching the app and now I just feel like women are in full force raising their hand and saying, I need help. I I need something better for my life. Mm-hmm. And like more transparency and real conversation about it, because I think that what maybe, like you said, was under the iceberg before just became so apparent and sort of escalated in the pandemic that mm-hmm. when our personal life and our work life and all the worlds collide, because we're doing everything in the same space, like it kind of you know, tore that veil down in between a little bit where now there's more transparency. We do a lot more still remote work and and things are just more woven together, which I mean, in some ways is difficult because 
as we're going to talk about some of the invisible load pieces today, they are already pervasive and hard to let go of. So in some ways it's harder, Mm -hmm. but in other ways, I think it allows for more of those real vulnerable open conversations. Yeah, I think so too. You know, I'm seeing a little bit less also on social media, these perfectly curated homes of these Instagram accounts. I mean, they're still there, but where everything is like color matched for their kids Mm. and a little bit more raw content of people saying, this is who I thought I was going to be. This is who I am as a mom. And I just find that so relieving for moms. I think that so much of the problem for moms of this generation are the expectations that they're trying to live up to that are so unrealistic. Mm -hmm. I read this quote that said, the problem is women of this generation were raised to believe they could do anything, but they were also raised to believe that they should still be a 1950s housewife at the same time. Yeah. And I could not agree more. Yeah. You know, when I see a mess in my house, I'm like, ah, there's nothing wrong with me. You know, that self-critical voice comes in so quickly Mm. and I have to get out of my emotions and back into my logical brain, like into executive functioning to be able to remind myself like, no, you are a CEO. You're a boss. You are raising two kids. That's unrealistic. Like you can't do everything all the time. And in fact, when you reach for that ideal, you're just going to self-sabotage yourself if you're saying that's your expectation for yourself. Mm-hmm. I can remember the like aha moment I had where I was like, wait, why am I the default for all of this? Yeah. It was like I assumed that I was the default. You know, my partner kind of assumed that I was the default. Society assumes we're the default. Mm -hmm. And I kind of had this moment of just total clarity where I was like, what the F? Like, who who signed (laughs) me up for this? Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's just so pervasive and normal that we don't question it. But I was just like, wait, why me? And so one of the like important values in our home is like, we all assume responsibility over household duties. Like it does not fall to one person or we don't just assume that somebody else, you know, fills this role in the home. It just, I don't know, hit me like a train when I realized like, wait a minute, this is just so unfair because before, if our full-time job and role was to be in the home, then that's different, but also still more than a nine to five job because it's 24 Mm -hmm. seven and whatever, like still Mm -hmm. needs boundaries and support. And like stay-at-home moms are under an enormous amount of pressure these days and don't get any breaks and intensive mothering is trying to swallow us all up. Yeah. So like working outside of the home, 96% of us working outside of the home and trying to fully still carry every role within the home, it's just bananas. It's just bananas. Yeah, it's totally bananas. And I think, I don't know about you, but in my house, even though my husband really agrees with philosophically the idea of me not carrying everything, of not doing everything, of him pitching in, we still, I think, are in that like middle earth of we're still navigating how to do that. Right. There's still a lot of times where I find myself catching him saying things like, oh, well, you could just do it or him like heaving a big sigh or using body language when we're dividing up tasks and he's the one who has to take something on. So I think that's another point of stress and resentment for moms is just this feeling of like, oh gosh, 
I'm also in charge of this too. I'm in charge of moving the needle forward in my family. If I'm in charge of making it more equitable, why doesn't my partner come alongside me more? And I'm always encouraging moms, like this is a journey. Mm-hmm. And so especially if you're a female and you're living in a household with someone who's male, uh, this is a journey that's going to be our battle. Hopefully our kids win, but even further down the line, our grandkids win. And so you're putting in work, not just for yourself, but for future generations. And so if it feels sticky and it feels messy, like that's okay because we're the first people to ever do this. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense, you know, that it's not easy. Yeah. And it is a lifetime's worth of these traditional roles or norms that we've Mm -hmm. observed and internalized and lived in. So these changes are deep rooted and they take time, right? Yeah. So I'm curious how, like the app launch went, you supported moms through the pandemic. Talk to me about how doing it all of the book came to be a little bit about that journey. I want to dig into your story a little bit too. I really enjoyed reading about your story and evolution to just being like, what the frick is going on here? Right. Like, I feel like it it really just like, I felt like was in parallel to how I opened my book where there was just like this, I call it my breakdown slash breakthrough where all of a sudden I was like, no, I'm just not, I can't do it anymore. I'm not doing it anymore. Like something has to change here. I'm not going to make it out alive if this continues this way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So the book is called Doing It All, Stop Overfunctioning and Become the Mom and Person You're Meant to Be. And I called it that because prior to my breakdown, prior to my aha moment, I really was doing it all. Hmm. And for good reason. My oldest daughter has autism. Mm -hmm. She is a well of need that never runs dry. I was the she fault parent. I felt like if I wasn't doing every single thing for her all the time, I wasn't a good parent. And she requires more effort than other kids do. I had a second daughter and I didn't want her to feel left in the dust. Mm -hmm. She's a very emotional kiddo. She expressed articulately to me when she was four years old. I do bad things so that that way you'll pay attention to me Mm -hmm. because my sister gets more attention than I do. Mm -hmm. Right? So this heavy weight that fell on me. And then at the same time, I was a trained pediatrician, Stanford trained pediatrician, have a public health degree, focused on maternal and child health, absolutely have all the book knowledge and all the training to be like the best mom possible. Like if anybody should be able to do it well, it should be me. Like if there was a CV or resume, it's like you have all the practice and the knowledge and the things, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, before I became a mom, I had been doing that for seven years. It's not like I was a newbie at it when I became a mom. And so my daughter's diagnosis, the struggles we went through, all of it, it just brought me to this breaking point Mm. where I realized, honestly, I was working so much harder than I needed to. And that my hard work was honestly self-sabotaging. Yeah. Like I was ending up the person that I didn't want to be. I was angry all the time. I was resentful of my partner when he didn't do more around the house. I snapped at my kids more than I wanted to. I was tired. I was exhausted. The parents of patients would come into my office and I'd be looking at them. And to be honest, I was jealous Mm. that things are easier for them than it was for me. And I finally just realized like, whoa, what am I doing? If I keep going down this path and I reach 80 years old, I will look back on my life and feel really disgusted with who I was, Mm. with who I am. 
And so I decided, you know, I want better for myself. I deserve better. I'm a human being. And it really came first from this place of deciding that I was worthy of just as much time and energy and peace as everybody else in my world. And that in fact, if I put myself in the center of my own life and started really focusing on that first, I was able to do the things that really mattered when it came to other people way more effectively Mm. to be the parent I wanted to be, to show up at work the way that I wanted to be. And I want to be really clear. I don't mean put myself in the center of my own life. Like, so then I went to yoga every day and I took bubble baths and like ate chocolate. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really took care of myself in very deep, meaningful ways, including the way I talk to myself, including the way that I really analyze kind of my weaknesses and my strengths in terms of asks that were put on me, if I said no, if I said yes, or what boundaries that I set on those things. And in terms of like not taking the temperature of others every single moment of every single day as I made decisions for my own life, mm-hmm. trying to make decisions based off what's going to be the thing that fills me, that makes sure my needs are met, that makes sure I'm not operating out of fight or flight yeah. every single day, like operating from a stress response. And when I started really doing that, like listening to myself, then things became easier as I tried to prioritize during my day what things I wanted to accomplish and what things I was okay with leaving Mm. in the dust or doing kind of half-assed, you know? Like, it really allowed me to see more clearly and to have perspective. Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code momwell50 to get 50% off your first box. Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. 
Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. It's so interesting and like profound that it starts with a sense of worthiness. Like this Mm -hmm. is such a weird abstract thing for us to try and and siphon through because I think that objectively – if we have a conversation about worthiness or are we enough because we're human or whatever, like I think logically a lot of us could agree with that, right? Mm -hmm. But then to actually feel worthy in a culture that tells mothers that their time is not valued, their care work Mm -hmm. is not valuable, yet it is the underpinning of the entire functioning of our society and economy. And like there's so many messages that pressure us into feeling like our time is not worth anything, our care work and our value and the skills and the strengths that we have to offer are not worth anything. So to really actually wholeheartedly embrace that my needs matter, I always advocate like sometimes it feels uncomfortable to swing towards like putting our needs first, but Mm-hmm. our needs matter just as much as our family's needs matter. And we should have a seat around the table in terms of our needs, just as everybody else should. Right. Mm-hmm. And it seems so simple yet we can't and won't take the steps for ourselves. If we don't build this fundamental like stepping stone first. Yeah, exactly. I mean, honestly, the book was born out of this idea that, I was reading all of these parenting books. I was reading all of these like self-help books, mom books, whatever, seeing stuff on Instagram that was very much strategy-based first. Mm. So here's how you divide and conquer with your partner. Here's how you become more productive and efficient in your day. Here's how you become a better mom. And I felt like there is this missing foundational piece where sure, I think if you give moms a list of five things to do, they can do it maybe for a short period of time. Mm -hmm. But if they don't have that internal sense of self, if they don't know who they are, like why they're doing it, or, you know, what's going to be the ultimate outcome? What are their goals with this? Like, like, why are we doing it? It's going to be really easy for that to go by the wayside quickly. It's going to be really easy once they muster up this courage to have this conversation with their partner to say, hey, we need to have more equity in our house to back down because maybe someone comes back at them and gaslights them a little and says like, hey, no, you you do it. It's fine. I don't, you do it, mm-hmm. you know? So to me, I found we were missing a step in this conversation about first reminding moms who they are, first allowing moms to take a look inside and say, what matters most to me? Where do I want to spend my time and my energy? What are the things that bring me the most joy in my life? And that way they could say yes more easily to those things and say no to other things that don't matter, but like in a really practical way, then you can go on to all the strategies and be like, oh, I can be more efficient with the dishes because I don't really care about the dishes. Right. You know what I mean? But if you're just going through life trying to decide moment by moment, like, I don't know, does this matter? Does that matter? Does this matter? Does that matter? Like you have no guide map. Mm -hmm. So you're going to fall off the trail pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things that really stood out to me when you were talking about your story of having this like neurodivergent child and sort of knowing and having like different challenges that you face as a result of that. Like I also have neurodivergent children. I made ADHD myself, like found out going through the process of having my children evaluated. Mm -hmm. And the 
perfectionism that people want to have in early motherhood where they want to get things right and they want to like feel like they're doing a good job. When you have a neurodivergent or special needs or maybe medically fragile child, none of the cookie cutter things work. Like you never, not that you never feel like you're doing a good job, but it's really hard to feel like you're doing a good job when you know, the way you breathe might set off a tantrum. Like it's just, you can only do so many things, right? And I found that like just an interesting parallel in our story because I hear a lot from moms with neurodivergent children or just maybe like, what's the word I'm looking for? Spirited personalities, you know, just really like persistent children, things like that, that We are exposed to a lot of parenting platforms. We're exposed to a lot of information about what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And a lot of it just doesn't really like apply in my house with my child. Yeah. And so I think that this can also add another layer on when you've got other complexities in your family makeup that just put you a little outside of the norm because it's, I don't know, it's just a different experience. And I just think that like, that much more I hear a lot of moms in shame feeling like they're not doing a good enough job when like really their expectations for their child or their family or their dynamic are actually the problem. Like it's not them. And and it just adds another layer of complexity, I think. Yeah, totally. So I actually included an entire chapter in this book that's called Summer Camp and Special Needs (laughs) that Mm -hmm. is about no matter what kind of kid you have, what are the things that science says, the evidence says actually do matter when it comes to raising your kids? And the good news is it doesn't matter if your kid's neurodivergent. You can do all these things and feel really proud of yourself as a mom if you focus on them. And some of the things, just to give you a sneak peek, are things like being sensitive and responsive to your child. Yeah. Like paying attention to who your kid is, having boundaries for yourself and your child. And that's going to look different depending on what kid you have. I know that for my daughter, we use screens in a different way than other families do because sometimes I need to make sure, like I said, that her younger sister, that my daughter's younger sister has the time and attention that she needs. And so sometimes we'll use a screen to make that happen, Mm -hmm. but there's boundaries on it. And when I find myself like letting those boundaries slip a little bit, then okay, I know it's time to kind of rein it back in. Yeah. You know, setting boundaries for ourselves, making sure that we're teaching our kids about resilience and about growth and about problem solving. And again, that might look different if your kid has autism versus if your kid is not neurodivergent, but we can still help our kids. My daughter, for the first time this year, I'm so proud of her. She decided to join choir. Mm. This is the first activity my child has ever done for more than two weeks. I'm knocking on my head because honestly, (laughs) we've had so many things we tried or so many things I've suggested that she's been like, no, I'm just not going to do it. Mm -hmm. Other people would feel like their kid doing choir one morning a week for 30 minutes was not that big a deal. And they would need their kid to also be in like lacrosse and like doing piano and then Girl Scouts and whatever. But for me, we had to overcome a lot for my kid to be able to have the resilience to go sing next to her friends in the morning with no audience. And so for me, that's a win on the resilience yeah. piece and kind of that growth mindset. So yeah, I included an entire chapter about it. And in the beginning, I talked about this story of my friend sent her kid off to summer camp and she had this like huge performance and she won an award and she came back and she was like, 
I'm so proud of so-and-so. It's like so amazing. And I found myself being like, good for you. you of know? course. <laughs> because yeah. I know my kiddo isn't ever going to do that. And so it made me have to stop and really pause and say like, okay, what would make me feel like I had done a good job for her? What would make me feel like it was enough? Yeah. And I know there's so many other parents out there that grapple with that every single day of like, they see the messages on Instagram. They even get info from their pediatricians that they can't follow. Right. And it feels really overwhelming. So I wanted to really simplify it for parents so that they could feel confident. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a relatable thing for everyone listening. I'm sure like when you're having bedtime battles that others don't seem to be having, or when you've got a really picky eater, Mm -hmm. or when you've got a child who all of a sudden decides they hate water, they are like a cat that just will not, you know? And we often go inwards and blame ourselves or compare ourselves outwardly looking around like nobody else seems to be having these struggles. But realistically, behind the scenes, parenting is going perfectly for zero amount of people, really. And we (laughs) all have our own unique challenges. And yeah, I just think that it's so important. And I think that, I don't know, it's just such a unique load to carry that I think also layered onto my breakdown slash breakthrough because I was so such a perfectionist, like a rigid perfectionist at the time, really hadn't mm-hmm. worked on my perfectionism, wanting so badly to do things right. And it was like, no matter what I do, people are melting down and all these things are happening. But it was my criteria and how I was measuring the success of our day was so far off from what it needed to be. It was really like, did this day go like perfectly well where the kids be like, there was just unrealistic expectations. And when I really started to learn about myself and my own brain and, you know, the kids' brains and what we need, things function so much better now that we have built functional like rhythms and systems and things around our needs and just how we work. So uh, yeah, I just thought that was interesting piece of it. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to just point out too, for those who are, you know, listening to us talk and sounding like, oh, feeling like, ah, that's like all very like philosophical and things like maybe that I could work on in the future. The book is actually created as a workbook. Yeah. So the first section is you actually defining in real time. What are the five key areas that you want to focus time and energy on? in your life. And those things might change over time, but it's a starting point. And then we go through four areas that kind of don't match up with the things that make you feel the most aligned, but have to get done. And how do we create strategies for those? And we, in the workbook go through like, okay, there are some things that require some efficiency and productivity. Mm -hmm. Okay. What are like the hacks for that? And what are some ways you can build that in? Okay. There are some conversations you need to have with your partner or with your kids about helping out more or your village, you know, or if you don't have one, how to find the village. Yeah. So there's things there. There are some things you need to set boundaries on. How do you actually set boundaries? Mm -hmm. You know, but I think you and I are so aligned, Erica, on this idea that that inner work has to kind of happen. Yeah first for this to go as smoothly as possible. Like, of course you could try to go from the outside in and inside out and do both things at the same time. But when you lay that foundation first, Mm -hmm. it's easier then to really apply the strategies that you want to apply later. Yeah. Knowing your why, like you said, tuning into those valleys, having an understanding of the roadmap that you want to create, because we often sort of are opted into or subscribed into a form of motherhood that we've just seen and, you know, 
experience and feel the pressure to live up to without any real conscious like evaluation of how we want to do motherhood. Yeah. Right? Exactly. One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, it's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists, with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash momwell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash momwell. ZocDoc.com slash momwell. Mom rage often leads us to feeling ashamed, but the truth is that our rage doesn't mean we're bad moms. In fact, anger is a sign from our bodies that our needs aren't being met. As moms and therapists, Dr. Ashirina Reem's psyched mommy and I understand mom rage. We know that we all lose our cool sometimes. And we also know that with the right tools and strategies in place, those moments happen less often. We've teamed up and combined our years of experience to create All the Rage, raising kids with less anger and more connection, a course designed to be your go-to resource for preventing and handling your anger. We dive into what causes your anger, how it impacts your body, how to reframe your thinking, and how to stay calm in triggering moments. And because we are all human, we also include strategies for repairing after we inevitably lose our cool. In honor of Maternal Mental Health Week, you can save $20 on the course with promo RAGE20 this week only. Don't miss out on your chance to save and make a positive change. Head to momwell.com slash rage and save with code RAGE20. That's momwell.com slash rage, code RAGE20. There's so many practical things in the book. I love like all the things it touched on. I really like, and one of the things I hear often in the community is struggling with prioritization because Mm -hmm. there are just an endless amount of things to do all the time. There's a real sense of feeling like we're drowning in the to-do list or the things that we need to do constantly popping into like our mental clutter and our brain and taking up space. And I like that you'd broken it down into four different types. Can we go through those? Yeah, totally. So I talk first about the things that have to get done, the Mm non-negotiables. So the non-negotiables are the things that you can do and only you can do, right? And so they require the most efficiency and productivity possible. The problem is in our world, in our society, oftentimes we kind of stop there for moms. We're like, hey, 
get up earlier. Hey, do this in 30 minutes instead of 60 minutes. Get your workout in in 10 minutes. You know what I mean? And that only goes so far, but it actually is really important. I talk to moms about at the beginning of the day, thinking about for five minutes, it could be in the shower. It could be in a notebook. I have pre-printed things you could use. Writing down like, what are my top three things that I want to accomplish today? Mm -hmm. What are the top three things that I really want to get done? And then marking out on your calendar, you know, like, okay, so that's going to take two hours. That's going to take 30 minutes. That's going to take an hour. And like, what are the steps that it takes to get that done? So let's say, for example, I needed to put out social media posts for the month. Mm -hmm. I need to create reels. Okay. I have to find the training audio. I have to get my makeup on. I get my hair done. I have to record them. I have to put captions. I have to put overlaying text. I have to schedule them, right? I have to find hashtags that go with them. There's multiple steps that go with it. Mm -hmm. Now, after a while, if that's something that's always on your list as like a priority for the day, that's not going to take up much time. You don't have to write out the whole list. But it's important, I would say, when you're starting out so that it doesn't feel so overwhelming to kind of break things down into for these larger priority pieces, what do you want to do? And then after that, you can fill in all the other little to-dos that you know you have to do, but you don't want them to eat up all your time. So if you're first and foremost saying, I'm going to accomplish these things. And if they get done, I'll feel really great about myself. Then if you don't get to all the little tiny things, it'll be okay because you can fill them in the next day, Mm -hmm. you know, or at the end, once you've already done these things that really matter for you. So that's the non-negotiables. The other is the swappables. The swappables are things that you should not be doing at all that are on your list that don't belong on your list that a neighbor could be doing for you that you could pay somebody to do if you had the means, which I want to be careful here. This is not about outsourcing. You know, mm-hmm. many of us from the pandemic have struggled financially. And so I appreciate that. But there are absolutely moments in your life where if you had someone else do something and you paid them $50, like, you know, walking your dog or doing the laundry or whatever, and that gave you an hour of time to make $100 in your business, mm-hmm. it would be worth it for you, right? So only you know kind of that like cost-benefit ratio. Mm-hmm. Teaching our kids how to do chores. Mm-hmm. Talking to them about responsibility. And again, totally depends on the type of kid you have. My neurodivergent kiddo, her chores, she's really into folding. Like she really likes to have her drawers very organized. Mm. So she is the resident drawer folder in our house. She folds all the drawers in all of our rooms and she makes sure that they're very alive. Can she come to my house though, Whitney? Can she come? Can I, like, I'll hire her for a day to situate our closets. Oh my goodness. No, it's beautiful. It's color coded. She made little like papers that said like blue, rainbow color, pink, you know, and she made like her own paper dividers for the drawers. And at first I'm like, I'm sorry, but that's not going to work. But no, it's been, it's been a year and she has kept it up. Good for her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so there's swappables. There's also, of course, elephant in the room. There's your, if you have a partner, there's a whole section on how exactly to divide and conquer, how to have business meetings. And maybe most importantly, how for the two of you to decide on what are the things we actually care about doing? Mm-hmm. Are there things we need to just say, we're in too busy of a season of our lives. We can't do this at all. Right, right. The third is the contaminators. Um, this one's really important. It's the things that we feel like we should do, but that we really don't need to do at all. Mm. So this might be for you, like 
having a Pinterest worthy living room, Mm -hmm. you know, making sure the decor is perfect. This might be feeling the pressure to have your kid in a fifth extracurricular activity. This might be the pressure to join the PTA or to go to school events when you're a working mom and you don't have time for any of that. So it's really trying to figure out in your home, in terms of physical clutter, what things need to go, and in your schedule, what things need to go. Hmm. And then the fourth is the heartstrings. And this one is special because it's the place where boundaries set. It's the things you really want to do that are important to you. But if they suck the life out of you, then you become drained and you can't do them. So it might be physical touch from your kids. Hmm. It might be you know, your kid's crawling on you all the time and you need to be able to set a boundary with these kiddos that you love to say, sorry, mom needs space. Mm-hmm. It could be you visiting an elderly grandparent who you care deeply about, but it makes you sad every single time. And so you need to schedule that meeting with them at a time that's actually going to work for you. You don't have some big, you know, project you're supposed to work on for your job afterward, mm-hmm. that type of thing. But really in that chapter, we get into boundaries about, how do you set them? How do you maintain them? What happens when someone crosses them? And again, back to that same principle of you are responsible for setting out how you want people to treat you. You are not responsible for how they respond to that and for what they do back to you. So mm-hmm. kind of building that strong core so that when people don't respect you, so that when people ask you to add more stuff to your calendar, so that when people say no, when you ask them to help you at home that you know how to push back on that and say, no, I'm valuable. I got to take up some space here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think with the heartstrings one, it's interesting for me. My youngest still really is into like imaginary play and mm-hmm. like, I can't, I can't, I really, I can't. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I, like, I wish I could, but I can't. But like the heartstrings of like, mommy, play with yes. me, mommy, play with me. And I think that when we are busy or when we're working or even just when we don't feel like it, how to set that boundary because there's so much pressure to take every invitation or to be on all the time that we feel like we can't say no or put some structure to that. So I will often either say, okay, we can do it and set a timer for this long. So like, I also know that I have, you know, some containment to this, or if I really don't like the task, we'll like offer some different choices. Like what about these choices and things? Like, I think that I don't know. When it comes to setting boundaries with our kids, it's not always like the first thing that comes to mind because we give so freely to them. But as you said, it helps us to show up more fully when there is some structure or there are some boundaries there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, in that chapter, I talk about my youngest, Maria. She, for a long time, like loved my boobs. (laughs) She 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 loved like nursing or whatever, but then also breastfeeding. But then she also just like grab into my shirt in public and like grab on my boob and scream like boobs, you know, (laughs) which was really cute when she was two or one and a half, you know, but at like five, like it was like less cute. Right. Yeah. And so of course, like on the surface, I was like, what is this? Like, get off of me. This is so annoying. And I realized actually that it was like a stress response that she did that when her sister was having huge tantrums and fits. Mm. And then she did it as a safety thing. And actually she had been doing that since she was very first born, that that was something she did when the noises got really loud in our house and when things got really chaotic in our house. Mm. 
And so breaking that was hard for me. Like, right. even though I knew it was the right thing to do, even though, of course, like I want, I don't want her to go around just like touching people without consent, like any of that. Yeah. But it was important. And I had to figure out a way to still be close to her physically, to have her give me like the hugest hugs, you know, to cuddle with her on the couch. Sometimes I let her like sleep in my bed a little bit more than probably other moms would because it's like a replacement for this thing that she used to do that I had to set a boundary on. So there's yeah. there's things like that too, you know, emotional things that we feel really bad as parents because we know where it comes from. We know there's some trauma response or something that makes it actually valid why they're asking this from us. You know, maybe we've been gone on a long trip and our kids are like, would you play the fantasy thing with me? Make believe mm. thing for hours. You're like, uh, I know I you deserve this, but I can't do it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, my biggest tip, honestly, actually as a pediatrician, this is like neuroscience brain on for that is 100% to front load, to be in your day and to be so overly talking about it with your kids, to be verbal about it, to say like, this is our special time. I want to spend time with you. I have turned my phone off. So that way there's no distractions. It's just you and me. What would you like to do? And then at X time, I have a meeting. So then I will be like letting you play on your own and I will do this other thing. So as much as you can, front loading that either, you know, if you're going to go on a trip, front loading for a couple of days before you go on the trip yeah. or in meetings in the day, trying to front load as much as possible in the morning, or at least just talking to your kiddo about, I have this meeting and then here's the thing we're going to do. So they know in their head, you're thinking about them too. They'll get that time. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like making the extra deposits Yes. So that they have the bit to see them through, you know, emotionally or whatever, like ahead of time. I think about this often too, where if I need focus, oh my gosh, there's nothing more triggering than being interrupted like a bajillion times. And if I'm yeah. on a deadline or I'm trying to get something done, so saying, okay, like we're going to do our play or we're going to do whatever, but then mommy really needs this time to do X, right? Yeah. So like meeting that need ahead of time often, even it can be for like five minutes, Yeah. but I think that we get so stuck thinking that we have to be on all the time that we can't set that boundary that right. it almost makes us want to just resist the invitations altogether because we're going to be sucked in and we can't ever get out of it. But yeah. I think that meeting that needs, putting some containment on it can be really helpful. One of the other things that you had mentioned is the chunking of the visual schedule. Mm -hmm. I think when it comes to prioritizing, at least I know that I really struggle with this as somebody with ADHD, but I've heard a lot of other moms as well, like underestimating the amount of time a task will take yeah, and or totally. the amount of hands that we need to get the task done. So we make these ridiculously unrealistic lists for ourselves in a day or in a week because we haven't done the exercise that you mm -hmm. suggest where you actually chunk it out visually and really estimate the amount of time that this task will take you. Yeah. Because if I don't see a no that it's actually really realistically takes me about an hour to fold all the laundry and put it away, for example. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to think like I could fit three things into that hour when realistically right. I cannot, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, life is all about expectations. If you set that expectation for yourself and then you don't meet it, now you're going to feel terrible. You know, that self-critic voice is going to come in. Self-compassion is going to be out the window. If you start from a place of, amazing. If I get this done, I can add on something else. Or if I get this done, I can go listen to the music I want to listen to or whatever. Like, and then you beat your time. It's kind of like 
in Disneyland, I don't know if you know this, but they, I just was there with my daughter, that they overestimate the wait times. Mm. So when you're in a line, if you get through a lot faster than what the wait time says, then you feel really good about them. And this is what I think we have to do for ourselves too, basically, right? Like overestimate a little bit, like what are the parts and pieces? And then if you get it done faster or it's more efficient or it's easier than you thought it would be, how much better is that than setting yourself up really for disaster by saying like, oh, this should just take a hot minute. And then it takes you hours and hours. Mm -hmm. When it was really to do with our expectations or not realizing that we were trying to cram so many things into that time. One I love at the end of the book in the last couple of chapters, you shift into like this self-compassion and self-acceptance, which I think as we're doing this work is so important. So for somebody who is maybe like listening today and they're feeling like, oh, maybe I do some of these things or they're struggling, I feel like we often default inward first to like blame ourselves. And that is really kind of like counterproductive to our journey because like in shame, we just want to like crawl up in a ball and just like stay in bed. Like it's it's not motivating for us. So talk to us a little bit about the self-compassion piece. Yeah. So for those of you who aren't familiar with self-compassion and mindful self-compassion, Kristen Neff wrote a whole book about it with Christopher Garner. And it's this amazing practice that's really simple of basically when you catch yourself having a critical moment, which we all have, right? Where someone, where you're saying in your head, like, stupid, you know, like, ah, course you couldn't keep the bedroom clean or like this always happens. Like, you know, that type of thing that you stop and you say to yourself, like, okay, what am I feeling? You know, maybe I'm feeling like irritated or I'm feeling frustrated. And then you validate the feeling like, oh, that makes sense. I really want to keep a clean kitchen. And now there's dishes piled up again. And I'm the only one that's doing it. Right. And then you give yourself the common humanity to say, I bet there are tons of moms out there in the world who are having this exact same experience that I am or something very similar. And when you give yourself that pause, it actually does something neurobiologically, which is really cool. When you are in a shame spiral or being critical, your body goes into like a high stress state. So it goes into this state of like, uh oh, we're not safe. We're not okay. Uh, It makes your heart rate go up. Mm -hmm. It makes your blood pressure go up. Your body basically acts like you are running from a tiger in the woods, even though really it's just a sink full of dishes. And so when you give yourself that pause to be able to think like, oh, this is reality. This is what's happening. This is why and I'm okay and I'm safe. It actually allows you to move out of that stress state, acting just out of emotion, like really being critical of yourself into being more responsive and to actually problem solving. So it gets you out of your emotions or your amygdala in your brain is kind of the emotion center and into your what's called prefrontal cortex, which is where all your logical decision-making is. And so it allows you to see more clearly and to think more clearly about the problem and about yourself. So then you're able to say like, oh, of course I'm irritated. I really am the only one that does everything here. Okay, makes so mm-hmm. much sense that I could not get the dishes done. I'm not a bad person. There's nothing wrong with me. Mm-hmm. It's just that you can't do all these things in one day. I need more help or I need to have less dishes, <laughs> fewer dishes, you know, or I'll have my kids 
help me at night to mm-hmm. put them in, or I need to decide I don't care today because I have something else going on that's more important, right? So self-compassion is this amazing tool. And if you guys have ever heard of flipping your lid or Tina Payne Bryson, who wrote Whole Brain Child, mm-hmm. basically that's what she's talking about when she talks about emotion coaching our kids. We do it all the time with our kids. It's like hot, you know, in parenting of like your kid gets upset, you see it, you name the emotion, you help them work through it and they're not as stressed. And Mm -hmm. that's helping us as a generation of parents to not raise these kids that are just like, oh, you're bad for having an emotion, right? So um, we can do the same thing to ourselves. We can help ourselves to actually think more logically, be kinder to ourselves Mm -hmm. and be more logical as we're thinking about how to make our life the best possible. And I think it's a really important point. Like, we are sort of trained to do this for others. So like we have the skills, Mm -hmm. right? Like we have the awareness of like the need or we know how we would speak to our child or a friend in this situation. And so if we can take that and then kind of turn it and apply it to ourselves, like I love a skill that's already kind of like half-baked. Like I don't have to work so hard to get it. Yeah. And half of this has already been practiced and developed that muscles, you know, almost all the way there. So if we just take that then and turn it inward, especially on days when, you know, we need to choose ease because everybody is sick. Or when we jumped on, I was like, okay, sick kiddo home today. We're kind of winging it. Let's see how we do especially on days that are particularly challenging where we really have to rely on that self-compassion and and tune into it more. Yeah. It's helpful to know sometimes that we've got a good foundation for that skill already and we just got to apply it to ourselves. So thank you so much for taking the time to come back and hang out with us today. Your book is so great and it's so practical. I love the layout and just all of it. I think that it's so wonderful. Where can people learn more from you and where can they buy the book? You can buy the books wherever books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, bookshop.com, all of those places. But if you want to find out more about me and about the book, the best place is to go to modernmommydoc.com. And there you can find out about the book. I have a podcast. I do a blog so that we can get weekly newsletters, all kinds of freebies there too. When you purchase the book before it releases January 23rd, you actually get full access forever to the app that we were talking about in the beginning. And this is a really practical way to kind of continue on the journey that we talk about in the book. So there's an entire five-hour lesson on parenting and partnership. There's an entire five-hour lesson on navigating kids' emotions. There's five or seven hours on each section of the book and going through and allowing you time with like the musical background and you to actually, you know, go through and fill things out. So it's a huge, rich library just waiting for you. So Modern Mommy Doc. I'll make sure to link all of that in the show notes and encourage people to tap into the amazing community you're building to support moms on their sort of each step and stage of their journey. So excited for you to put this out into the world. Thanks so much for coming to join us today. Dr. Whitney's story was so similar to mine, and I really appreciate her sharing her struggles and journey. One of the big takeaways from this episode is that the work to prioritize the invisible load really begins with us valuing ourselves, our time, and our worth as a person. Until we think of our time as worthy and important, we're never going to be able to say no to the tasks that we don't want to take on 
or even to call in other hands and more support. Because on some level, we're going to still believe that we should be the ones to carry and do it all. It takes time to value ourselves, to practice self-compassion, and to advocate for our needs, or even to understand our needs for that matter. But it's important. And until we do that work, it's going to feel like we can't let go of any of the labor. And even if we do manage to offload some, we may end up picking it back up and fall into the same patterns again. I really love the way that Dr. Whitney broke down the mental clutter categories. It gave such a tangible way to approach time blocking and prioritizing tasks. It's very easily doable. Focusing on your top three non-negotiables every day is a great starting point that I think we can all begin putting into place. The harder part, of course, is learning to let go of the rest. This might mean a hard look at your own people-pleasing tendencies. It might mean scripting out some boundaries with yourself or with others around you. It might mean laying down some boundaries with your children, from playtime to physical touch to bedtime. These are not easy things to do, especially when it comes to our kids and those heartstring tugs. But our needs don't just matter for us, they also matter for our kids. When we take the time and the space we need and set the boundaries to be able to do that, we can show up as more connected, present, and engaged than we were when we were running on empty because we were trying to do it all every single day. I would love to hear what you thought of this episode. If it resonated with you, share with a friend who needs to hear this or take a moment to send a DM or leave a review. Every review helps to shape the future of the podcast and it would mean the world to hear from you. If you're experiencing discomfort at the mere thought of letting go or choosing less or setting boundaries, I want you to know that you're not alone. Working with a mom therapist can help. You can book a free 15-minute virtual consult with one of our mom therapists at momwell.com booking. That's momwell.com booking. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week, where I'm being joined by Dr. Lauren Fogel-Mercy and Dr. Jennifer Venzel to discuss navigating different sex drives in parenthood. This is a spicy conversation you don't want to miss. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for resources or links from today's show, or you need a refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to momwell.com slash learning center to join the momwell email list and be the first one to know about new episode drops, insider info, or freebies head to momwell.com slash newsletter. Join me next week. Until then, remember that you have to be well to mom well. Settling is not an option for Everything me. I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? <laughs> because every day is for the girls. Hello, hello. Welcome to For the Girls podcast, hosted by Victoria Alario, For the Girls Who Want More. Listening to For the Girls will have you ready to raise the bar, stop settling for the bare minimum, and start believing you can have it all and step into the 2.0 version of you. You can catch a new episode of For the Girls every Monday across all podcast platforms. Until next time, girls.